Uh, my name is Jonathan Davis. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. That was Chandler Makomel leading us uh, in worship this morning. And we're currently in uh, a, a two-week series from Luke chapter 12. And we're thinking about our heart. Uh, in particular, we're thinking about how our heart uh, relates to our material goods. And you'll see the text printed in the bulletin. This morning we'll be looking specifically at Luke 12, verses 22 through 34. Well, a few years ago, um, the escape rooms or breakout games uh, became really popular. There's actually one just around the corner on North Main Street. Uh, but essentially what it is, it's, it's a game that you play with a group of people where you go to one of their locations and they have um, multiple rooms set up. And each room has a different theme to it. And you and your group are locked in this room, and you have to solve a series of clues in order to get the key to get you out of that room. And it, it, it's lots of fun. Um, but throughout the whole process, you don't know which clue is going to give you the key to get you out of that room. And so it takes some groups like 17 minutes. It takes some groups the full length of time. And some groups can't do it before the 60 minutes is up. But throughout the whole process... You're, you and your group are dialed into these problems, and you're like working to try to solve these problems. And in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, all right, if we solve this one, are we in the clear? And usually the answer is no, because you solve one, and it opens up another clue, and it keeps going and going. And especially when you've been in there for a while, and you think, surely we're near the end. Surely we are in the clear. This has got to come to the end soon. All right, that feeling is similar to how the disciples must have felt where we find them in our text this morning. In the previous text, Jesus had just been teaching the crowds and he was interrupted by a man who raised his hand and asked Jesus to, to help um, sort of work through an inheritance issue. And Jesus used this opportunity to then tell a story, which he did a lot. He told this parable that was about a man who had accumulated lots of stuff and essentially put his hope in that stuff. And surely the disciples were in the spot of, of sort of watching this all go down and thinking, well, that's not me. Uh, we are these disciples following Jesus, following his ministry around. We're not the ones accumulating. I think we're in the clear. Like, I think we're good now. And then in our passage, passage Jesus turns to them and essentially says, hang on a minute. And what he does here is he moves from talking about a heart that is focused on accumulating riches, which we talked about last week, to addressing a heart that is anxious about not having enough. Uh, one commentator describes this transition uh, uh, by saying this. He says, greed can never get enough. Worry is afraid it may not have enough. And so as I read this passage this morning, I want you to think about your own worry when it comes to the necessities of your life. Have you been in a place or are you in a place right now where you're thinking, you know, are, are we going to have enough? Are we going to be able to pay the bills? Uh, or may, maybe you just constantly find yourself fixated on crunching the numbers for the budget or planning and replanning for the future or uh, fixating on the possibility and timing of retirement. Students, maybe you're really dialed in on your grades and, and starting to think about the practicalities of college and if that's going to even be possible for you. We worry. And Jesus speaks into this worry in our passage this morning. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. 
This is Jesus speaking. It says, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is God's word. Let me pray and ask him to be with us this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for speaking to us. Uh, Thank you that you know each of us specifically this morning. You know what we're worried about. You know our anxieties and fears. And we ask that in the midst of that, by your Holy Spirit, through your word, you would meet us and speak truth to us and remind us of who you are. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Well, a few summers ago, uh, my family and I took our first trip uh, to Dollywood in Tennessee. Uh, and I feel like in this part of the country, it's sort of a rite of passage to go to Dollywood for the first time. Uh, there were no shortage of strong opinions around me about how best to do Dollywood. Uh, I had friends telling me, all right, here's the time of year you have to go. Here's exactly how you have to approach the park. Here's the rides you have to hit. And here's the time of day you should do that. I mean, it felt like we had like these expert guys to Dollywood uh, planning our trip for us. Uh, You know, what time to go, which shows to see. And of course, um, how to time the line for the cinnamon bread to where you're not having to wait all day for it, but you still get some of the amazing cinnamon bread. And we did. And it was amazing. Uh, But we were so ready and we were so excited to go to Dollywood. And I'll never forget when we we pulled into where we were staying in our hotel, uh, we walked into our hotel and we looked around and we were all um, surprised and just sort of struck with how awesome just the hotel was. And we, we didn't say it, but we sort of all realized at the same time, hey, we could actually just spend the next few days in this hotel. And like, this would be an incredible vacation. And so the, the next day was the first day in the park. We, we go to the park and do some of the rides. And it gets to be about midday. And then we like just sort of look at each other as a family. And we all have the same thought at the same time. Like, do you want to go back to the hotel? Just like hang out there this afternoon? Yeah, 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 let's do that. 
And so the, the hotel had this great like indoor-outdoor pool, games to play, things like that. So we spent the whole afternoon there. Um, the next day, the same thing happened. The day after that, the same thing happened. Um, we got so focused and preoccupied with our hotel that each day we were there, we would actually spend less time at Dollywood and less time out doing these uh, touristy things and more time in the hotel. And we loved our vacation. Uh, it was an outstanding trip. I wouldn't change a thing. But it's funny to reflect on it and realize um, we got so distracted from the main reason we went there. The main reason we were going there was to go to Dollywood and experience this great park that people were just going on about. We got distracted from the main thing and became focused and dialed in to other things. In our passage this morning, Jesus is speaking directly into our worrying hearts. And it's surprising what he says to us. He doesn't tell us to just not worry. He, he says that. But he says more than that. He says that in our worry, that we focused on the wrong thing. That we've lost sight of the main thing. And that's the source of our worry. And so let's think about this under two headings this morning. The first thing I want to think about is our worry. And the second thing I want to talk about is our Father's care. So we'll look at our worry and our Father's care. First, our worry. All right, what do we worry about? Uh, you see it throughout the passage, but look at verse 22 in particular. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. All right, so again, in the previous passage, Jesus had just been teaching the crowds. The man asked him the question about his inheritance, and Jesus tells him, the story about this uh, rich fool, he calls him, who essentially accumulated and accumulated and accumulated and put his hope in all that accumulation. And then he concludes this parable where he's like speaking to the crowds and this man, and then he turns to his disciples directly and basically point blank says, hey, don't worry about the stuff that you need on a daily basis. All right, who were the disciples? These were Jesus' friends who had given up their livelihoods to follow Jesus. Uh, so they weren't necessarily connecting with the story of this uber-wealthy man who just kept storing up and storing up. They had other worries. And even after like watching Jesus do these crazy miracles and, and healings and, and teaching and all that, they still were doubting and were worried about whether or not they were going to have enough to get by. And so Jesus addresses this. He, he's addressing our worry uh, and our preoccupation with the stuff that we need in order to survive. Basic provision. Uh, questions like, will I have enough money to pay the bills this month? Uh, do we have enough set aside for the future? Uh, is retirement even an option for me? As I think about my whole financial picture, um, will these gaps ever get filled in? Uh, maybe you're a student and you're beginning to think about the reality of college. And it's starting, like the practicality of it is hitting you. And, and you're wondering, like, is that even an option for me? So Jesus is not speaking to the greed of stockpiling things in this passage. He is speaking to the other side of this. He's speaking to the fear that we're not going to have enough in the future to get by. And if you look back at this passage, in these 13 verses, he mentions anxiety three different times. Then he refers to it as worry in verse 29 and fear in verse 32. All right, so that's five times he directly addresses this 
common human response of worrying about the uncertainty of the future. This nagging question we all have of, will I have enough of what I need in order to be okay? And what a struggle that is. We know we need these things, food and clothing and a place to live. But we all wonder, is this all going to be here next week? Next month? A year from now? Uh, When I'm older and unable to work, how's that going to work out for me? Am I going to be able to leave anything behind to my children and their children? Uh, What if something happens to my health or my job that compromises my ability to provide? Uh, What unforeseen thing can happen that is going to throw things off? Uh, These are the things in life that we, uh, as finite people who don't know the future, are worried about. And this worry actually wears us down. There was a study done a few years back that tracked um, people's heart health uh, during the economic recession of 2008 and 2009. They essentially monitored some key indicators of heart health and, and they watched, and what they saw was that as people's um, actual financial picture became more and more bleak, uh, so went the health of their heart along with it. They could sort of watch a direct correlation during the economic recession. And maybe you felt that. Um, our worry and our stress about our stuff and our finances, it is so significant that we physically feel it. And it wears us down. And it's exhausting to worry this much. So why do we worry so much? Why do we worry so much? Uh, We sort of get hints at this throughout this passage. uh, But Jesus specifically tells the disciples in verse 32. Look at what he says. Those first two words. Fear not. Fear not. So behind our worry is fear. He, He uses those interchangeably. Uh, We worry because we are afraid that we're not going to have what we need, or at least not at the level that we expect to have it. Uh, That the stuff of life is going to run out, that the well is going to dry up, that the income will go away. And these what-if scenarios can become obsessive to us. And what do we typically do when we're afraid? We try to control things, right? A common response to fear is, is to control what we can control. If my greatest fear is not having enough, then I'm going to try to control the variables so that I have enough. Uh, We become budget ninjas, right? Planning and preparing for like every scenario possible. Uh, We sort of look at all of life and we begin to orchestrate things where we are always like two steps ahead of disaster in every area imaginable. And our energy gets poured into this and this actually becomes our life. Our life becomes worry and planning and making sure we got all of our bases covered over and over and reevaluating. Now, it's good to be wise and plan for the future. It's actually a very biblical idea to plan for yourself and for those who will come after you. It's all over the Proverbs. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. It's good to budget. It's good to be prepared. But think about your own heart. Um, There is a fine line in our hearts between uh, wise and godly planning and obsessive control 
over the uncertainties of our life. Uh, It's worth reflecting on uh, what's driving your worry and your preoccupation with not having enough. Is it faith that's driving it? Or is it fear? There was a New York Times article last year um, that sort of dug into our worry and talked about how we're just chronically waiting for the other shoe to drop. And uh, one of the very simple observations that the author made in this article about our worry was this. They said, one underlying reason why people worry is that on some level they assume it helps. And that's like a very simple thing to hear, but like we think that our worry helps us in that situation. Uh, One of the people they interviewed in this study said this. Maybe you can connect with this. They said, I try to worry about everything bad that could possibly happen so that I won't be taken off guard. What really bothers me, though, is that although I do sometimes experience bad things, they are never the ones I thought about. We are so afraid, and so we try to control all the uncertainties. If you go into the backyard of the home where I live, in the, in the very back corner, you'll see it's completely covered in bamboo. And this bamboo has grown to be probably 9 or 10 feet tall. And uh, when we first moved in, I saw the bamboo, and I would never dealt with bamboo before. So I thought, it can't be that big a deal. I'm going to get my hedge trimmers out there and just sort of like chop it down and like we'll be good, right? Um, obviously, that was my first time dealing with bamboo. Um, I remember the day very clearly. I, I went out there. It was, it was a good full day's work in the yard. Chopped it down, piled it up. The city came and hauled it away. And it was great. And I thought I was in the clear. Uh, do y'all know how fast bamboo grows? <laughs> I didn't, but I learned that day. And I felt like for the next week, I was just looking out my back window, watching, like physically like watching the bamboo grow back to what it was before. And at that point, I just sort of resigned myself to thinking like, all right, that bamboo is always going to be there. I'm not even going to try to mess with it. Uh, But I I totally underestimated the speed and the power with which that bamboo can grow. I totally underestimated it. What's really going on in our hearts when we worry? Uh, Behind our worry is the fact that we vastly underestimate how good and how loving and how powerful God is. And Jesus is going to speak to this in the passage. But deeply embedded in our hearts, causing us to worry, is a misunderstanding of what God is really like. Uh, deep down, we struggle to believe that God is good. Uh, we struggle to believe that He really does love us, like us in particular. And we really struggle to believe that he has the power to actually take care of us and provide. And so this is why we worry. Where does it get us? Where where does our worry get us? Look at verse 25 and 26 in the passage. Jesus says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? All right, I want you to think about the things that you are chronically worrying about in your life. Very practically, can you think of a time in which your worry helped? Uh, Our anxiety about the stomach bug has never kept us healthy. Uh, Fear of running out of money has never put money in the bank. 
uh, obsessive worry about improving your grades has never improved your grades. Um, Contrary to our instincts, contrary to everything that our insides are screaming at us, worry does not help. It does not accomplish anything. Worrying doesn't change outcomes. But it does reveal something about us. It reveals our hearts to us. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, Our financial and material worries reveal the things that control our hearts. Uh, Our worry shows us what is sacred in our heart. And the sacred things in our heart are what drive our behaviors. And I wonder what that is for you. Um, What does your worry reveal to you about what is sacred in your life? What's what's the antidote to our worry? Our our gut level response is to to plan better, to control the variables, to figure out how to manage it. What is the antidote that Jesus points us to in our passage? We've talked about our worry. Let's talk about our Father's care. How does our Father care for us? Uh, As you read through the Gospels that that, that record the life and teaching of Jesus, um, You'll wa- if you watch, you'll see that Jesus has this amazing way of being unbelievably kind and unbelievably firm with people. Um, and in our passage, it's almost as though he is like lovingly shouting at us, Hey, remember who you're dealing with here. And he goes on to tell us at least two ways that the Father cares for us. He talks about how he provides and how he gives us a new priority. So he tells us that our Father provides. And he does this by sort of giving these like three flyby examples to us. Look at verse 24. He says, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? Okay, so the first example is these ravens, which according to Leviticus, these were unclean animals, which is interesting that Jesus chose an unclean animal as an example. Uh, They don't plan, they don't prepare for the future, they don't store it up, yet God feeds them. And hey, you're a lot more important than a raven. Verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So the second example is the lilies. They, They don't dress themselves. They don't obsess over their clothing and their appearance. Yet they are more beautiful than the most extravagant of all the kings. Verse 28. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So the third example is the grass. Alive for a day and then burned up. And he's saying, aren't you more important than that? And then he really puts a point on it in verse 29. It says, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. All right, it's important to see that, that Jesus is not asking us to pretend like we don't need these practical material things. In fact, just one chapter earlier in Luke 11, he taught his disciples the Lord's Prayer, in which we ask for daily provision 
of our needs, that our needs will be met. And he, and he wants us to pray expecting that God will provide. He knows we need these things. But into the fear and the worry that we have of not having enough, Jesus addre- addresses it directly here and says, Hey, your Father's going to provide. He knows what you need. He is going to provide for you. Now, he doesn't say there won't be hard times. He doesn't say there won't be suffering or seasons of having less or even poverty. But he does say that the Father knows what we need and he will give us what we need. But he doesn't stop there. Um, Jesus doesn't just address our fear of material provision. He uses this as an opportunity to address something that is more important. He tells us that God the Father cares for us so much that he's giving us a new priority. He's giving us a new priority. If the old priority was was just focusing on the day-to-day, just get by, do we have enough, are we going to make it, what's the new priority? The new priority that he gives us in this passage is the kingdom of God. Look at verse 23. What is life all about? Verse 23. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Go down to verse 30. For all the nations of the world seek after these things and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So here we are worried about not having enough right now in this moment, in this life. He's saying our life is not in the stuff of this life right now. Our life is in the kingdom of God. He's saying that that this is a new priority for us and that we shouldn't just seek this kingdom, that is God and his work and following him in this way of life. But Jesus actually says it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That God loves to give you the kingdom. And so if you are in Christ, if you have entrusted yourself to Jesus, who is the king of this kingdom, then you receive this kingdom with him. The kingdom becomes ours. It becomes our true home. It becomes uh, our new and our better and our eternal priority. So he's saying that that the new guiding reality for your life is not an obsession over whether or not you're going to have enough to get by. That's too small. It's much bigger than that. He says the new guiding reality for you is that you are an heir of the kingdom of God. And that all of life now is to flow out of that for you. It's a new and bigger priority. Focus on that, he says. If you look in the front of your bulletin, uh, there's a great quote from John Calvin that gets at this. Turn there, and I'm going to share this quote with you. Calvin says, This is why we should follow the lead of those who move from one place to another, where they will make their permanent home. They send all their goods ahead of them, and do not mind doing without them for a while, but instead think themselves all the happier that they have more goods in the place where they spend the rest of their lives. If we believe that heaven is our country and our real home, it is better to transfer our riches there than to hang on to them here, only to relinquish them when we suddenly have to depart. This is the new kingdom priority for us. And look at what Jesus says in verse 33. He says, sell your possessions 
Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He's saying that in light of this new kingdom reality, this new priority, let that so wash over you that you not only stop worrying about the day-to-day of whether you're going to have enough, but that you actually begin to loosen your grip on what you have now. And that is, as we loosen our grip on our resources here, we actually begin sending them forward to our eternal home in God's kingdom for the next life. And so something begins to transform within us. This new kingdom priority begins to transform our worry into generosity. And isn't it like God to do something like that in his kingdom? It's so upside down where we move from being people consumed with worry to overflowing with generosity. Uh, The more our hearts are grounded in our true home in the kingdom of God, the more we're going to be sending our resources to our true home in that direction. From worry to generosity. That's a major shift for our hearts to make. Um, how is that possible? That, that shift is really only possible if we can be sure that God will take care of us. Like 100% sure that he's got our back and that he's going to provide. How can we be sure that God will take care of us? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans. Romans 8.32 says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Uh, The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee that God the Father is going to take care of us. Uh, The resurrection of Jesus makes the Father's care for you a certainty. Because the resurrection really happened. The Father really will care for you and provide for you. The kingdom has come. This new reality is here. Just a few things to think about as we wrap up. Maybe this is all new to you. And so I I would ask you to to consider, uh, do you know this king in this kingdom? Uh, Do you know the Father's care for you in this way? That he loved you so much that he sent Jesus to come and live and die and rise again on your behalf so that you would have life as it was meant to be. So that you would be freed from crippling worry and begin to live in this new kingdom with him. Do you know him in that way? And I would say if this is interesting to you or intriguing, we are so glad that you're here. And we would invite you to, to continue coming around worship and and our Bible studies. And and we would love to talk with you more about what it looks like to really center your life around this stuff. So maybe that's where you are this morning. Or maybe you believe and you consider yourself a follower of Christ, but you think about life right now and, and, and it feels like you just have like this intense death grip on finances and your stuff. And you are just racked with worry about what tomorrow is going to bring. 
What should you do? Um, the answer is not to leave here and beat yourself up and just convince yourself to worry less. That's not going to help. You're going to end up worried about your worry. But instead, uh, let your heart be captivated by how much the Father cares for you. He really does care for you. Uh, remember who you're dealing with. You are dealing with a Father who loves you perfectly and who has the power to provide for everything that you need. And you are dealing with a Father who loves to give you the kingdom. And this is good news for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the type of God who does indeed love to give your children the kingdom. It is your good pleasure to do so. God, thank you that you don't want us to worry. That you've told us we don't have to worry. That you've given us something bigger as a priority in our lives to rally around and to focus on. God, would you meet us where we are limping and struggling? Lord, you alone know how acute and real this worry feels about what tomorrow will bring. Um, by your Holy Spirit, would you give us peace which transcends all understanding and help us to raise our eyes and to see the King and this new kingdom reality that we are a part of in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.